Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> This is Olivia Coleman at her best. I think she's genuinely one of the best actors we've ever had, and she absolutely rules this in a in a film that's got quite a deep bench of actors. But she absolutely carries it. She absolutely smashes it from the very start to the end. On one hand, it's really quite gripping because you're thinking this awful thing is going to happen, this awful thing is going to happen, and then it is a bit draggy <laughs> in places. So that does let it down a little bit. There's a lot of female anxieties going on in this, which normally when we see that it's in some kind of jokey female comedy and it's all a bit of a joke and a laugh whereas here it's not it's presented as something a bit more real hello everyone joining flicks watch today we have jen hello hannah hello and as always kobe yo and we're going to be talking about the lost daughter Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, joining Flixwatcher remotely today, we have Jen and Hannah. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello, my name is Hannah Walker-Brown. I'm the creative director of Broccoli Productions, which is a podcast production company joint venture with Sony Music Entertainment. So I make podcasts, documentaries. I've just had my first book published, A Delicate Game, which is about brain injury, sport and sacrifice. Tell us a bit about that book, Hannah. I've uh, listened to your your dulcet turns over it. What was it like recording that? And what was it like writing the book? Oh, recording the audio book. That's terrifying. That's like, I never listen to my work when it goes out, but having to sit there in a booth and read it <laughs> from start to finish and be like, oh my God, um, that was traumatising. But um, yeah, it started as a four-part, audio documentary I made for Audible called The Beautiful Brain, which kind of followed the story of West Bromwich Albion player Jeff Astle um, through the kind of voices and eyes of his family and his death, very tragic death, and his um, diagnosis of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, CTE, which people might know from American football and the NFL, um, a guy called Dr. Bennett Amalu, who Will Smith played in the film Concussion who I also interviewed extensively, Bennett Amalu, not Will Smith, um, for this. And 
the documentary made quite an impact. So I thought I should do more. It's the sort of thing where you kind of fall down a rabbit hole and then you keep going because there's just so much to uncover. And sort of the deeper I went, the more more corruption I found, the more people I found. And ultimately just kind of the stories that are emerging now with rugby and the litigation against rugby is sort of the tip of a very big iceberg for sort of global contact sports. Yeah, it was in the news this year, wasn't it? The um, the yeah, ex-Welsh player the, at the age of 40. Like, Yeah, so it's, it's Alec really Popham sad. and Steve Thompson. So Steve Thompson, they're both in the book actually, but Steve Thompson kind of can't remember winning the World Cup, can't remember meeting Nelson Mandela, um, can watch himself play on a screen, but has no recall of, of any of those mm. moments. And he's he got his diagnosis at 40. Yeah, he's 42 now. Yeah, same age as me. Yeah. Not starting a downers, but that's, <laughs> that's what my book's about. No, I think it's great, and it, it, um, it's, it's something that I I didn't realise is is it's essentially money, isn't it? When you look at all sides of it, that's why they don't want to. Yeah, it's business. Yeah. Like sport is business, and and I think that's what we kind of forget. Again, we feel like we own it, and it's for us, and it gives us such an identity and a sense of belonging, mm. and it's kind of an ideology in some respects. Like it gives us something to believe in when you know there's not much else going on to kind of have faith in, but it's that kind of it's very powerful so yeah but but it is business and the people that win and cash in aren't always you know the ones that we think they are not the ones with the big salaries that they do sometimes but I think you know it's it's a terrible way to treat your assets if you're a business I think that that business line you make applies to a lot of the nonsense and I, I, I use the word nonsense lightly here because it's it's what protects the the predatory mainly males in show business because they're like, oh, they're, they're mm. big earners, they're big bankers. So we're going to, we're going to protect them. It protects, mm. um, one of the reasons they don't want to calm down the NFL or other contact sports is because they think it's going to affect how much we watch them, how much end at, at long, at the bottom line, how much money they're going to make. It's one of the reasons they don't show women's football in the UK as much because they think, oh, well, no one's going to watch that. But then if you just show you, you if you just show the matches, people will watch them. And it's 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 that business line where people wrongly take the wrong route. I think too many times uh, for the detriment of many many people. Oh, There's yeah. my soapbox moment for this episode, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get to Jen, who's also got sports stories to talk about in her book. Sports, 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 sports. Da, 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 da. I know how much you you like sport, Helen. Uh, I recall from our uh, from my last yeah, Jen foray. is a repeat uh, is, is returning to the Flixwatcher podcast. Um, if you want to listen to if you <laughs> if you want to listen to Jen's voice um, multiple times, you can scroll down the feed a bit more, a bit more, a and it'll, it'll be crude, or creed, crude, it, yeah. it'll be creed. Possibly both in Bruges. In Bruges as well, yes. And Michael Don's got a new film coming out, Banshee of Enniskirin. Yes. Sorry, I'm taking away from your introduction, Jen. Please tell us who you are. I'm far more interested in Michael B. Jordan, to be honest. But anyway, um, <laughs> I am Jen Offord. I am a producer and presenter of the Standard Issue podcast. We are a magazine for ears. That's what we call ourselves. And we are about everything that women are interested in, which is everything, not just like lipstick and shit like that. Anyway, um, and we only have women on the podcast. Apart from once a year, we let men do a little bit of talking because they just find it really hard to get the opportunity otherwise. Um <laughs> And I am also the author of a sports-themed book, The Year of the Robin, Watching It All Go Wrong for Charlton Athletic and the World, which is about, as the title would suggest, 
Charlton Athletic, but it's kind of about everything. It's about society in general. It covers a lot of different um, aspects of the beautiful game and society, such as mental health in sports, such as racism, uh, homophobia, women's football, and then also talking to different people who are involved with the club um, in this one season when we had, obviously, a global pandemic Mm. and a completely mental time in the boardroom at the club and everything went just absolutely crazy um so yeah from a writer's perspective it ended up being far more interesting than i could have anticipated and kind of a gift in a way but from a fan's perspective pretty awful (laughs) yeah i can i can only imagine and um i guess that that line about business as well that we talked about just a few minutes ago applies to a lot where you said that that homophobia in, in the in the sport I cannot believe there's only one openly gay footballer in the entire world. Mm. And he's like 21. And it's like, that's, that's not the most in the entire insane. world in, in the top four tiers of English football. I believe there are a few other openly gay footballers okay. in, in, in and around. I think there's been a Swedish guy and an Australian guy and an American guy. I was thinking about the Australian guy. I think, <laughs> yeah. I think they all came out after their careers ended possibly. But yeah, the, the only current player in the top four tiers of English football who mm. is openly gay, which is obviously a statistical improbability. Yeah. But we're here today to talk about The Lost Daughter, which is your film, Jen. Um, your choice. Can you tell us first of all why yes, you chose it's not it? It's my actual film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't make it, sorry. Can you tell us why you chose <laughs> it? And then uh, I'll get the stopwatch out and the timer out. You have one minute to give us a synopsis. Okay, I chose it because I missed it at the time that it was released, which wasn't even that long ago, I don't think. Um, but I think I was sort of too busy having a child and writing a book at the time. So I missed it then and I've wanted to watch it because obviously it's Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut, which is interesting. It's got Olivia Coleman in it, who's fantastic. And um, it looks it's about parenthood and it looks harrowing. So I thought, well, why not, why not treat ourselves at this time that my daughter's two years old and we're having the best time. <laughs> <laughs> I know Kobe's son is not that much older than my daughter so I'm sure some of this is going to be relatable content anyway so synopsis and time starts now okay so Olivia Coleman is an academic uh, called Leda who's gone on holiday to the Greek islands and she is she encounters basically like the Asbo neighbour family who are on the beach <laughs> with her and they're all pretty pretty awful to be honest and uh, the situation escalates there's a woman there called Nina who has a little girl and she's clearly having a pretty horrible time of it and the film leads you to believe that something really 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 awful has happened in Leda's past but um, spoiler alert it's not as bad as you think but it is also pretty bad because mm. she's had a shitty time and um the situation escalates she gets stabbed with a hatpin the end so we actually start the film um at the end which is an interesting device and i think that kind of slightly wrong puts it because you think oh well she's she's dead because she's kind of stumbling along the beach and then she's got some blood in her stomach and then she falls on the falls on the on the sand um and i feel that kind of sets you up it does wrong foot you in this film I don't normally mind that kind of setup, but it seems it's it's inconsequential. I think that that um, that piece. And what were your thoughts, guys? 
I'm going to disagree with you on that because I didn't even notice that there was any blood in the opening sequence. I'd completely missed that. So I just thought she was a bit drunk or something. I didn't really, I don't think I knew what was going on. I was just a bit like, oh, she's Maybe I imagined the, beach the blood. And... I just thought there was, I thought there was some blood. But I mean... well, there was at the end. There definitely oh, okay, is. Sure. I did notice it at the end. So you, you're probably quite right. But I didn't really, I didn't really notice that. I, I think I thought something bad had happened, but I, I definitely didn't think she was dead or dying. I don't think she actually dies, does she? I, I no. don't know. Well, that's oh, okay. up for debate, isn't it? But I agree that I actually think because it started like that, I was expecting the whole time I was like, oh my God, what's going to mm. happen? Because I, I thought that was a device, but then actually where it ended up wasn't disappointing, but I just felt it was a bit less than what I expected based on the opening. I thought they made kind of a big deal about the drama of that and then it just sort of didn't go where I thought it would. But I think the whole film kind of ratchets up that something terrible's happened, something terrible's happened, something terrible's happened. Because I don't know about you, but I fully thought, well, clearly her daughter's dead, right? Like that her, yeah. she's got a dark past and that dark past yeah, is yeah, that yeah. her daughter died and she's not the, over it. The and... lost part is lost yeah. as in yeah. gone for good, as in terrible loss. Yeah. And also you exactly. have the flashes when, when Nina's daughter goes missing. Yeah. There are flashes where you think that she's going back to what seems like her daughter's gone missing in a similar episode. And you're like, well, that was it. She went missing one day and like mad, mad yeah. can almost, and you never get her back. Um, so it was again, slightly misleading. Um, misleading is maybe the wrong word. That's the, that's the way the story wanted to, to take it. And it did take us down the route away, I guess. Yeah. However, just as we're talking about this now, cause I was thinking about this in terms of like, what I did really like about this is, you know, you, I always know when it's a woman writing for a woman or a woman director directing women because I just think there's so much more nuance, especially in terms of like mental health. Mm. And I actually think the intensity of this film, even though I'm like, oh, it didn't go where I wanted it to. But actually, in, in some ways, it was kind of that, you know, she's obviously quite unwell in a lot of ways. There's a lot of things going on psychologically, like within her. And I felt that actually was really well represented. Oh, yeah. And I'm just sort of thinking about this now in reflection about like maybe that intensity is from there and why shouldn't that be enough to carry that weight versus having something big happen. And I think that's where like, you know, huge respect for director for navigating that and, and making that so palpable, I guess. Writer and director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't always have to be something dramatic happen for us to have a display of something that intense. I mean, Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. A two-year-old feels pretty dramatic in in like in real terms. Like a parenting small children feels pretty dramatic at times, even mm. when it's just like them throwing their Weetabix on the floor. It's I thought it did that so well. Yeah. That kind of like or just the, the suffocation. I think she says it at one point, I'm suffocating. That, and she also and, says children are a crushing responsibility. And yeah. the delivery of that line is amazing. Um, mm. When she said to her, no, it never goes away, kind of thing as well. I was like, I, was, I know it, it does for some people, but it, if it didn't for you, that's a really big blow. And um, it wasn't, I know, postpartum depression, um is I think it's treated a lot differently then or less well discussed or even not even considered to be a thing when when Nina's younger self had the kids. Um so it is it's it's a super tough thing to go through, isn't it? But I don't even think this is necessarily I, I think this is the thing. I don't even think this is necessarily postpartum 
depression mm. that they're talking about. I think they're yeah. talking about the stress mm. and anxiety around raising kids and, and having a lack of support and, and feeling that it is just... I, I think it's also the career angle for her is really interesting as well because there's obviously an expectation on her that she will just kind of like look after these kids and um, and her needs and feelings and ambitions need to take a back seat in order to do that because her husband isn't around he's off working I assume somewhere else and I, I so I don't even think it's necessarily about depression I think it's I think it's really just about the the claustrophobia of being indoors with young children basically which I again like becoming a mother during a global pandemic where we're all locked in our homes like is something that I can I can definitely relate to maybe not quite as much as as later um but yeah and something about identity wrapped up in that as mm. well I think as well like losing your sense of self because she you know as the film goes on she's she's losing it like at, we sort of witness that in kind of very like you know, obvious ways with the kind of the guy in the bar when she goes in and, you know, makes a big scene. But then also in the, like, taking the doll, Mm. like, these very, like, I don't know, kind of trying to hold on to something that is, that is escaping her or, or, I don't know. I felt it was as much about her as it was her as a mother and, like, trying to kind of grapple with those two things and feeling a sense of loss. I think that, yeah. that side of it is a bit confusing because you're a bit like, okay, well, I understand the bit before. Is that about her, I don't know, relentless guilt about what she ends up doing? Well, what she know. ends up yeah. doing, just to, to clarify. Well, it's that she has, she has an affair with um, a professor while she's doing, while she's, well, who really dotes on her, I guess, um, and ends up leaving her daughters, which is the, which is the big reveal, not that the daughter's dead. Uh, but it's still obviously a heavy, heavy thing to go through, isn't it? Yeah, making a choice, you know, I think that's the other thing that we, it, it's not a kind of, I don't know, it's... It's a well, massive taboo, the, isn't it, for, yeah, for women? Yeah, we usually see it as, you know, people leave their kids when they're a drug addict or when they're this. Like, it's it's not ever seen as, you know, a choice because you want something else. She just doesn't want to hang around with them. Yeah, yeah. it's an expectation so, that women will just cope as well, won't they? That women yeah, will just yeah, yeah. take it and suffer and cope and yeah. get on with it. Whereas we kind of think when men leave, well, you know, yeah, happens, doesn't it? Um, yeah. So I do think it's just yeah, there's just it's just a massive taboo the i the the idea of women leaving their offspring. There's a line where she said when Nina asks her, "What did it feel like when you left your kids?" and she was like, "Amazing." That was both laced with laced with humour, but also darkly, darkly um, honest as well. And you can mm. you can kind of feel it. And this is this is Olivia Coleman at her best, and she's been at her best since the first time I've seen her on TV. Um, I, I, I thought she's always amazing in the Green Wing and Peep Show, um, and then when she was in Tyrannosaur, which is the change that took her to more dramatic acting. She was amazing there, and then she just continued. I think she's genuinely one of the best actors we ever had, and she absolutely rules this in a in a film that's got quite a deep bench of actors who don't really get a look in, or uh, well, they do get a look in, they get their their place, but they're all like playing second fiddle to her all the way through. Um, but she absolutely carries it; she absolutely smashes it from the very start to the end. She is the queen that I recognise. 
she is the queen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Dakota Johnson is great in this, and interestingly, like she dropped out agree, of Don't, yeah. Don't Worry, Darling, to be in this. So I think she uh, she played that one wisely. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, she's great. Your man from Normal People, he's in there. <laughs> is he well? That he's in there. Oh he yeah, is, yeah. Isn't he? what's his name? I don't know. I just remember his chain. <laughs> Connell's oh, chain. God, yeah. It's Paul, Paul something, I think. I can't remember. Mezcal. I just called him That's it, yeah. Yeah, and, I like the tequila. And props to Maggie G for play, putting her husband as the uh, the man she has an affair with. Um, Sexy Yeah, I love that. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. And That's right. Ed Harris is in there as well. Yeah. Yeah. I did think, I don't know her name, but who the woman playing the young Olivia Coleman. Oh, Jessie Jesse Buckley. Jessie Buckley yeah. is awesome Jessie Buckley, well. yeah, that's it. Yeah, I thought she was excellent. So yeah, Jesse Buckley and Olivia Coleman both got award nomina- Oscar nominated for for this um, for supporting actor, actress, and, and main actress um, both as well. Jesse Buckley is awesome as well. I think. Yeah, I love her so much. I, I forgot that she was in it because I hadn't seen this film before, and then but as soon as you flip to Jesse Buckley, you're like, oh, that's a young lady. This is gonna go mm. between two timelines. So it takes a while to go to Jesse Buckley for the first time. Mm. Yeah. Um, but then the news. Oh, I know exactly. We're going to go back and forth now. And Jesse and Jesse was fantastic at, at, on that side. Also, just so aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Like the place she's renting in Greece. Mm. Yeah, it just made me really want to go on holiday as well. It did. Um, <laughs> one thing I I loved her responses to being like her 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 tranquility being being taken away from her so when she's first on the beach and the, and the Chav family turn up the Chav family from Queens turn up and you, I think they might actually be gangsters but they do present as um, well alludes to that doesn't it there's some dirty yeah. money going on there and that's why the expectation is it's going to go somewhere more sinister than it does but it's going to be like cartel situation yeah I thought that I, I thought that as well yeah so when she's on, on the beach by herself she's loving it and then they turn up for the first time you're like oh mate I'm so sorry that this is happening to you when she's in the cinema um, <laughs> I hated those boys so oh, hard. I just I just... To... There's two great lines which, when she's asked if she can change her sun lounger, and she says, "I have no desire to move," <laughs> which is icon behaviour. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the 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 famous line in the cinema that she wants to cut your tiny dicks off and feed them to you like peanuts. <laughs> it's just like I love it. Yeah, so, but why should you disturb the peace? I feel like there's an expectation when you're on your own as well. People just think you should do whatever mm. they say mm. if you're in the minority. But actually, she's on holiday. She just wants to live her best life and they're ruining it. And they, the way they acknowledge as well, you know, be good for the lady, they say to the, to, to the, to the kids. Mm. Like, they know she's there, they know she's chilling out, but at the same time, they're not even trying to, like, keep it down a bit. It's just, yeah. Oh. Um, well, let's talk about- and did the pine cone fall or did someone throw it? You never know. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even consider. Yeah, fair enough. I thought it was thrown. I did as well. He calls her a cunt. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. To her face. <laughs> that's, quite, that's quite extreme behaviour, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's talk about the other. I mean, there was Ed Harris, who seems having a great time in this film. Um, Cooking his octopus. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <laughs> I thought, I mean, I, I really thought the cast is awesome in this. Um, like I say, even though it's second fiddle to Olivia, but Ed Harris, you know, his dancing in this, um, <laughs> <laughs> in that part was hilarious. <laughs> Um, in other in other films, you would have seen that being a relationship that they that they encounter that they go along. Um, I was kind of taken away by this film. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was funny and dark, and I, I had no idea where the storyline with the with the stolen doll was going to go. But I was terrified for her every time she'd lost it or misplaced yeah. it. Or you know, I thought it was going to be. I thought she's going to have lost it. Go down to the beach. The bad guys there with the, with the doll in the hand in one hand and the gun in the other one and just take her out, well, shoot her in the stomach. That's what, what I thought was going to happen. But yeah, it says something about her state of mind where she's happy to take the doll, get clothes for it, try and nurse it back to some kind of cleanliness. And yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. That's what I'm going to say. Um, anything else guys want to say before I head to the scores? There's a, there's a really interesting bit where she's on the phone to, um, I believe it's one of her daughters. I think she either says that. And you can tell she's really excited to kind of like talk about a holiday and mm. talk about where she is. And she's kind of like cut off at that point of the person on the phone is kind of either ending the call or, and it's, it's just those little moments like that. Those like these little tensions that are running, like when she's called a con and there's that, there's just all these like little moments that are just like gnawing away at her yeah. and kind of like pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing until she obviously has that breakdown at the end, but it's kind of feels like it's more cathartic. So she rings one of her daughters after it and it kind of like feels that it's all building to that one moment. Do you have that weird, I, I did pick up on that actually at the start when she first talks to her daughter, as you say, and her daughter's like, it, the conversation gets shut down really quickly and she's like, oh, I'm on holiday. And I'm like, it's weird that you wouldn't know your mum was on holiday, isn't it? Mm. Mm kind of stresses that their relationship is maybe yeah. quite f- sort of not Distant. great after she left them <laughs> you like you get a hint very early on that there's there is a distance between them because i just mm. thought like my but then that- my mom would tell me like relentlessly that she was going on holiday <laughs> i'd know every single detail <laughs> but then when when they talk on the beach assuming it's the same daughter but they she says oh both of you are there i think it seems like a really happy conversation though um is that partly why, was it you, Hannah, said maybe she she died at the end and that was the... Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I think that's kind of, or again, it could just be that thing of, you know, some if you have a kind of strained relationship with a parent, some days there's good days, some yeah. days there's bad days. So I think that is a good explanation. But then equally, you know, is that what she's now logging for and now has? I don't know. I wasn't sure, to be honest. I thought it, it left it quite open ended. I like that. I like that interpretation. I'm gonna I'm gonna ponder mm. on it a bit more. Um, mm. I spent a bit of time trying to figure out how much damage the hat pin would do. Mm. Like, would a hat pin realistically kill you? I don't know. I don't. I don't have answers. Yeah. To those I guess if you just sort of. Well, she she left it, didn't she? Well, she didn't go to yeah. get any. It didn't seem like she's getting any, any medical attention and towards. The sea's right there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> salt water the, that's the good pin, isn't it it's the water yeah not if you've got 
face first in it or she fell asleep or something, you know? That is a good point, yeah. I always, when 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 stomach injuries um, occur in films, I always refer to um, Reservoir Dogs because uh, apparently if you get shot in the stomach, you can live for quite a long time. So that's my that was my term frame of reference. So, so I assume she was okay. I didn't I didn't think she died. I thought it'd just be quite painful. Um, and I thought she kind of thought she was just going to get on the plane and get to the UK hospital as soon as she kind of landed to see if there's anything majorly gone wrong there. Oh, it's actually making me cringe a bit thinking about it. It's... Yeah, yeah. Chekhov's hat pin. Um, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't feel like she died. And there, there was a, a bit. I was watching it, this is the second time watching it. There's quite an extensive conversation that she has where she talks about the the, the physicality of herself and her daughter in relation to mm. breasts with Paul Mescal's character. And it's just it's a very strange conversation to be having with someone mm. who is potentially mm. a stranger. And there's just a lot of things. There's clearly she's got a lot of issues and the way she projects mm. them is in such a very very strange way it's just not normal behavior but she kind of says it in a normal way that you're it's and I think that's partly her performance in that but there's some very strange things she says about kind of her daughters and herself and she there's a lot of talk about how old she is and how old she looks and people are complimenting her and she's always like oh no I'm not it's that very very female I think that's what it is there's a lot of female anxieties going on in this which normally when we see that it's in some kind of jokey female comedy and it's all a bit of a joke and a laugh whereas here it's not it's presented as something a bit more real i mean that's that kind of came to head before she got stabbed and she she presented the doll back to nina and nina's like so made up where did you find it she could have easily got away with that but she said no i took it and that's that's a key indicator of where her kind of state of mind is. And mm. um, I thought it was a really interesting way to finish it. Yeah, I think that kind of ties in with what we were saying before about like um, identity and like that that craving attention or or it being about you, not about the kids or about being a mum. Like it kind of, I don't know, I feel like a lot of that is, I guess when you do something that big, you kind of, I don't know, you almost stay that age in a way, like that kind of young and free and get rid of your responsibilities and whatever. And I don't know, it felt like we were almost kind of watching her grow up at the same time. She didn't act her age a lot of the Mm. time. She didn't kind of hold herself in a way we would expect. I mean, I'm not kind of stereotyping people, you know, act all kinds of ways. She's only, what, she 46, was she? Like four years old than me. 48. Yeah, there was just something about it that was quite, quite kind of teenage you know, quite quite young. Like she's been locked away in amber since she left her kids. Yeah. And and, and or, had the Or she just never grew up. You know, yeah. she never had to face those responsibilities. She just did what she wanted and I don't know, it's something about that attention. That's quite interesting, isn't it? Because that's like a that's something again that people say about men, isn't it? In a quite forgiving way, like oh, they yeah. just you know they're just lads. They just never grew up. Whatever they've got yeah, no concept yeah. of responsibility. It's just boys will be boys. But obviously, mm. if a woman does that, shit the bed. <laughs> it's the worst thing you could do. <laughs> She's <laughs> awful. What a terrible yeah. mother, woman, human. Yeah. Um. Anything else, guys? I want to say before we head to the scores? No. Okay. I 
I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. As always, the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish, and we will start with you, please, Jen, with your recommendability. Uh, four. I'm not going to give it four marks um just because that's generally how i roll something has to be like pretty exceptional to get to get a five i would say so i'm gonna give it a four i definitely think it's worth a watch i think the performances are really good and it is quite compelling but um it's a bit too long i would say hannah i'm also going to give it a four i'd also say a bit too long dragged a little bit in places performance is great directing writing great characters great setting great but yeah didn't didn't need to be that long helen i'm also going to give it a four so i haven't read any of eleanor ferrante's books but like i really 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 wanted to love this and this to be my favorite film of the year but i just think it's it is too long and it's a bit all over the place there's bits that i really really love and then there's other bits i'm just like you could have cut that out and I do wonder if that is the difficulty of translating a book, which I think a lot of it is her kind of internal thoughts onto a film and having to kind of like pad that out with acting. So um, I thought I recommend it, but I wish I'd liked it more than I did. Um, I'm going a bit high for you, you guys. Um, 4.38. And... <laughs> What? <laughs> three eight um, is just so much more. Yeah. Just this. What point three eight made it better for you? <laughs> um, the hat pin, hat pin. No, I, I, I just generally enjoyed it. A lot of pieces came together. I think the slight wrong footedness of the, um, where it's going to end up. Maybe I need to ponder on that a bit more. Uh, I love that it's uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal's directorial debut. I hope she does more. Although I said about Booksmart and um, Olivia Wilde's getting an absolute pasting that was in she for Don't Worry Darling. Uh, I'm sure... You don't know until you've seen it. Exactly. This is it. This is it. Um, but I think the knives have been drawn... A lot of knives have been drawn for especially female directors, haven't they? Un- unnecessarily. I think... Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, Woody Allen? Come on. <laughs> um, and I think... But I think it's a, I think it's a, a great film not just a great first one i think it's a really good uh, film and i love my i thought i was quite surprised maggie gillenhall wasn't in there herself uh to be honest mm-hmm. with you um quite rate that though yeah yeah i do agree with you helen though i did really want to love it i really did i was like i actually saved <laughs> i'd seen it before and i've saved it until i could really you know not be distracted and get into it the first time i watched it and i was like mm. it, it was good but i think maybe i yeah i just wanted to really love it I think for me that it's the time two hours for the story. I don't think it is warranted. I think any, I think it's been mini series where they, they give more time to kind of both ladies or it's just like made like a short talk kind of story. Uh, repeat viewing score. Jen. I don't know if I'll seek it out again, but again, if it was, you know, if, if it, if I happened upon it, I would watch it. 2.5. Hannah. Yeah. I've seen it twice now. I didn't really get anything new. 
It was still quite compelling, though, as in, I, you know, anticipation. But um, I'll give it a three. Hmm. Helen? Yeah, this is my same time watching it. I, I give it a three as well. Some bits I really enjoyed watching again, and then others were, I was a bit like, oh, yeah, this was a bit bit of a drag. Get to the bit where she's in the cinema, and I just, I just love her. I just love her in it. Uh, I'll probably watch again at some point, but not rushing to it uh but like i say i'm keen to see well everything that olivia does and uh look forward to whatever maggie gyllenhaal does next have you seen joyride no you might regret saying that then is it good it's not good uh, okay because the trailer's it's very awful. bad what, what score did i say i was suddenly thinking about joyride then two small screen score jen um i think it's fine isn't it i mean i guess like hannah sort of picked up on the aesthetic qualities of it more I think probably would get a bit more enjoyment from watching it on the bigger screen but I don't think it would impact on it that much I guess like I guess I'd give it maybe like a 3.5 3.5 yeah I agree I think it actually would have elevated it on a bigger screen just because some of the like landscape aesthetically I think when when it's draggy, you need something bigger to look at. Um, so I'm going to give it a three. Helen. We had no choice. Still in pandemic lockdown. Just came straight to Netflix oh, with no yeah, good point. No oh, choice. did it? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah it was okay, one of like yeah. their big, big mm. kind of like films they had at the beginning of um, this year. So we, we we had no choice but to watch it on the small screen. I 100% would have gone to the cinema to see this. This had like all of the... All of like the the tasty bait for me to want to go and and seek this out. So I think it, it was a shame that it didn't get to have that um, big screen moment because I would have cheered at the bit where she <laughs> shouts at the boys at the cinema. Uh, don't know why I would have done that. I would have done it. I would have loved to see it on the big screen. Um, have you ever so, shouted at people? In, uh, have you ever shouted? Or have you ever shushed shushed people in the cinema? I have. Yeah, I had to do it recently. <laughs> like it's just talking incessantly and clanking their wine bottles i was like can you just switch I, it up i actually told off a group of teenagers because they were picking on a, a clearly disabled boy um so i leant forward and said will you stop being so rude uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is about 10 years ago as well yes, so Jen. absolutely outrageous behavior and that in fairness yeah. I, I proper shamed them and they stopped but um but i would i don't think i'd ever have the balls to tell people to stop like clinking glasses or whatever i just no, especially them... oh, i don't know drunk people in the cinema can be pretty back, but i mean yeah for me like cinema is one of my proper like self self love safe spaces and if someone's there just like the phone if, if, even if the phone's flashing and they're not paying attention to me I, I, I feel like I want to pick up the phone and throw it yeah into a vortex um, that I find so frustrating when I can see that because yeah. it will totally divert my attention and I won't be able to then refocus yeah. so I have shushed people I've, t- I've told people to will you please shut up almost like Jen um, most people do like stop and it's quite it's quite quite nice because like, if you go to cinema in central london people are paying 20 odd pounds for for the experience yeah. of being there and you're just being a knobhead next to them yeah um anyway sorry so i what long story short i loved it when olivia stood up um first of all told looked for an usher and then 
swore at them. I loved it. Loved it to bits. Uh, maybe that's where the three. <laughs> that's where the point three eight comes from. Actually. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, visceral, vicarious living through Olivia Coleman's character, Layla. Yeah. Um, Did I give you my score? Did I give one? Don't think I so. Can't remember. Uh, Three point five. Three point five. Um, I think this is fine on the I would have, I would have seen it at the cinema uh, pre-pandemic times, pre-kid times. Um, but yeah, three. I'm gonna go three point five for the rest of you. Engagement score, Jen. Oh, mm, mm, it's like a story of like two halves really isn't it it's like I think on one hand it's really quite gripping because you're thinking this awful thing is going to happen this awful thing is going to happen and then it is a bit draggy in places <laughs> so that does let it down a little bit so I think I would go with I think I'm going to say 3.5 again Hannah yeah I totally agree I'm going to say 3.5 yeah obviously 3.5 as well 3.5 is the score of the moment. Um, Helen? It, yeah, the same, 3.5. 3. <laughs> watching it the second time around, I was like, oh, it, it really does drag a bit. And I don't quite know what it is because all of the acting's great and there is kind of like the momentum going with the doll and you, you know, like, how does Jesse Buckley become Olivia Coleman kind of thing. But yeah, it's... Oh, it's such a shame. I just really wanted to love it. Um, but yeah, 3.5. I don't I mean, having having this discussion now, I kind of feel that there's a few kind of non sequiturs that kind of left me a bit empty as well. Like the, the, the affair that Nina and Will were having, for example. I was kind of like... Mm. It's what? almost no Do, point yeah. to yeah. that whole I agree your, your thing, Kobe, about it being, if it was like a series mm. where you gave them space to develop those characters and those storylines that probably would have been quite an, a compelling show because yeah. you don't care about her her husband's like a massive twat anyway so you're like well of course you'd have an affair because you've got that guy for a husband so it's well, like, I, worth, yeah. as much as you can understand an affair um it was a case of like this island this area seems very very small and you warned later that these are very bad people just for standing up for herself yet you're having an affair with the partner, the wife of the person who seems the most scary. Um, so it just seemed, it seemed like a, uh, yeah, I don't care ultimately. <laughs> um, and what was the other non sequitur? Yeah, the Ed Harris character. I thought I thought there was going to be, you know, he seems to have more about him. They could have gone in a more interesting direction. But it was just a guy that literally took some suitcases up the stairs, gave a rotten moldy fruit and danced with her for a bit and uh, got some octopus and... You know, Ed Harris, seems, he's, we've had Ed, Ed Harris in a few films, not Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind, the other, other Jim Carrey film. Apollo, thir- Apollo 13, he was in that so, one. So Apollo 13 and um, the one with Jim Carrey stuck in a massive studio. Truman Show. The Truman Show, there you go. Ed Harris, he's in that as well. Um, Ed Harris is always an interesting character when he turns up on screen. I just, I don't think, I'm not sure what he was wasted, but at the same time, I was kind of, you know, want more from him. Um, anyway, long story short, my my score for this is uh, three point five. So <laughs> that gives an overall score of three point three nine eight seven five. Uh, I thought it was going to be a bit higher than that. Uh, repeat viewing score lets it down in the main, uh, but yeah, overall I really enjoyed it. Hannah and Jen, can you tell us where we can find you guys online? Tell us what the names of your books are, where we can buy the books online and offline, and say goodbye to the listeners. 
you can find me on Twitter. I'm at InspiroGen or Instagram. I am Gen2Ns off, as in Gen off. And Standard Issue is Standard Issue UK on Twitter and Standard Issue Podcast on Instagram. And my book, The Year of the Robin, is available predominantly online, I would say, uh, via Waterstones or Amazon or wherever else you get your books. Awesome. Um, it's been a pleasure. General attorney guest, Hannah, do come back. And guys, if you're listening, buy the books, uh, listen to their podcasts and find them on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks very much, guys. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at Flix Watcher Pod on Twitter and we're at Flix Watcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production.